All right, we're live. We're live. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no countdown today. We are live. No countdown. What's going on, everybody? FOMO's Hello, everyone. In FOMO's in here? Oh, that's always good to see. What's FOMO. up, FOMO? Hey, FOMO. FOMO. My wife is here. What's up? Tim is in the house. Reverend Slim is in the house. Everyday Jay, Kamish, Jed. What's up to all you folks out there? Is it Kamish? Or Kamish? Kamish. The Kamish. Commission. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there used to be a show called The Kamish. A long okay. time. I wonder if anybody remembers that, like in the 90s, mm-hmm. early mid 90s. It had the dude, I can't think of his name now, but he played Thing in the first Fantastic Four. Ethan, what's movies? up, buddy? Let's check your audio. Let's see. Test, test, test. Ah, much better. I think it's better. Much it was better. crackly okay. earlier. So we had to give him the bad boot? connection, I guess. Yeah. I said, hey, I want to. Where's your, where's your, what mic do you usually use? Like a Audio Technica or something? Because you sound awesome in your videos. Uh, Sennheiser MKE 600. Oh, some big boy mics. Yeah. No boom, wonder it sounded so mic. good. No wonder you sounded so good. I see. Uh, I'm using right? a 416 right now. <clears throat> I'm oh, using, nice. I don't even know what I'm using. You know, I don't know what you, model mine is. You're using a. No, mine's a. Um, no, it's the same one y'all use. My, my mind just went blank. The same ones that we use. The same brand, but it's not the same sure. model. Are you sure? sure? Oh, y'all use the Sure? Mm-hmm. Well, they do. Gosh, I have my the, mind. I'm sorry. I've got I have the roadcaster. Let me see here. Mine's an Audio Technica, but I can't remember the model number. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm about to look it up real fast. I love this thing, man. It took me forever to find a mic that I, that I actually liked. And these, when I finally. Yeah. Like, when yeah. I got this one, I was like, ooh, this is killed. But it was expensive. It was like $500. Yeah, you got to find something that your voice Whoa. sounds good on, right? Yeah. Like, well, this one's a little I've too got, bright for me, honestly. Right, so I've got the DBX, um, what is it, the, the preamplifier. <clears throat> so it's got a compressor, a de-esser, mm-hmm. a noise gate built into it. So once I got all that set up, dude, I, I love it. Man, you're all fancy and stuff. I, I just got a little oh, big And it runs into right. a Motu M2. Yeah, I got two dude, of those. playing now. around over here. Yeah, because everybody was like, you're an audio channel and you have horrible audio. I was like, well, because I got to think about that before. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Joe will call you out if you have bad audio and your audio. Mine mine is an AT4053B hypercardioid condenser mic. Yeah, I would leave it up to you to probably find like the optimal one for the, you know what? I'm going to be here. I'm trying to reduce the reflections here. I'm just like, what's the popular one? Okay, that MK MKH416 and the Sure SM7B. Done. Oh man, and this mic is the cheap one. This mic is seven hundred dollars now. Seven hundred? What's happening? Yeah, dude, I paid. I didn't pay this much when I bought it. I think I paid like five. That's, That's crazy. insane. But I love That's this mic. Yeah. I bought another. I bought an AT897. I bought a Sure. I bought a couple different Sure microphones. <clears throat> Could never find one. Sure? Then when I landed on this one, I was like, "That's it." Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So that's our that's our mic setup. Yeah, <laughs> wondering. There we go. Uh, well, you and dude, we, I want to I want to hear your uh, next time because I do want to have you on. You know, more often. You know what I mean? You're, yeah, you're doing some yeah. cool ne- stuff, and the voice is awesome on the on the video. So I want to hear he's, that. He's chilling in his bedroom. Looks like I know he's chilling. Right now. he's relaxing. Yeah, yeah. This was. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I did a lot of errands. Yeah, uh, you did. In the I don't remember that. And the, I didn't even have. <laughs> oh, you said errands. Uh, 
Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> with it with a D on the end. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was I was running like a crazy. I had to go pick up my girls. Then we had to go to the grocery store. And then I came home and slammed some food down my gullet and uh, hopped on. So sorry, yeah. it's not my professional. Yeah. Uh, well, studio. the AirPods can't handle the the AirPods can't handle the bass. You know what I mean? No. They're, they're trying, they're trying, but they sound good <laughs> for what they are, but, you know. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I, yeah. In, yes. Yes. It's the best, actually. Those are the best that I've found for... I love them, man. Like, in the wireless stuff. Nothing yeah. is, nothing's even close. So. And I bought some um, memory foam tips for them that were, like, 20 bucks. <clears throat> better. Ooh. They, they never come out. Like, they, I, I run with them. I ride my bike with them. They never come out. I've had them for over a year, and they still haven't like gotten to the point where they will fall out. Much huh. better than OEM oh, wow. tips. I even did a review on them because I was like, "You got to buy these." What like, is, the, what is the brand of those? Bomb. What are the? Brand I think of it's those? the Comply. That's I'll, what I figured. Yeah, I'll I have some of those. Man, yeah. do those they hold on to earwax though. <laughs> they do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> this is the truth. They're they're black, and then you know. Aaron just it. snacks on them after, you know, he gets hungry riding the bike. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I take it out and I look at it and I'm like, well, this is thicker right here. So this is probably where all the high frequencies died. <laughs> hey, did you guys know, ra yeah. Rando, uh, I guess in Asia and Japan, somebody told me that they have black Q-tips so that they can see what's, you know what I mean? Mm. They can see oh. what's happening. I mean, so whatever. That's smart. <laughs> it's audio related, isn't it? Ear related. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, man. So Elon, dude, you've been killing it. I invited you because you know you're just doing a, an awesome job with your videos. And uh thank you. Yeah. I enjoy watching your videos. And that's that's not a lot of people. A lot of times when you're reviewing audio stuff, you just get tired of you know watching other audio stuff, I guess. You know what I mean? You're immersed <laughs> in it. So it's very rare. Like I, I pick and choose. I have a few guys that i'll choose to watch you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. um so kind of like being a comedian's don't... comedian am i a youtuber's youtuber i think so there you go i think so because i appreciate what you're doing like <laughs> i can see all the extra stuff that you do and i don't know if everybody notices maybe they just en just enjoy it. but to me i see it i like that took extra time i i know i've said it before but i can yeah. i can tell you know i appreciate thanks. it thanks it does take extra time, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I can't help myself. Dude, I, I, I watched what everybody uses, like their personality in their video. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's one way that you express your creativity through that. So super cool. Yeah, I have to. What'd you call it? Um, that's not an affiliate link, by the way, too. Okay. I didn't do that. Okay. Although I wanted to. <clears throat> you so yeah, it, it's funny because uh, I told Elon this morning, I'm like, I watched one of his videos and then mine kind of like one of mine auto played afterwards. And then after hearing his, you know, and then hearing mine, cause I wasn't really watching, I was doing some other stuff too. I'm like, oh man, I need to step up my game. This guy's all polished and professional and I'm over here just, you know, <laughs> shooting from the hip. But I guess that's, that's a difference though, right? I think that's more my style. When I tried to do it all polished, people didn't seem to like it. Yeah, I have the same issue. So Elin, do you do, do you do scripted? I do. You, yeah. You, okay. I've tried it. I think Most we've had this time. conversation before. I try to do it. I, it's harder for me to do it. It's just easier for me just to, but I'll always forget something inevitably. That's the one downside of not That's doing scripted. Exactly. Always something. 
That's why I have to script Russell. For yeah. The, yeah. The last I one I did though, going over all the nine channel receivers available right now. Um, that was just kind of off the cuff. Cause I was, it was me going back and forth between talking at the camera and looking mm-hmm. up stuff online. So yeah. I were those, affi- that were, were those affiliate links on there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. You got to do it once in a while. You got to do that. once in a while. Of course. Of course. Got, I was just Around joking. This like, time of year. Definitely. Hey, that's what it is. You know what though? I find that like my audience reacts very positively as long as I just say, look, right. you just gotta here's this know. thing that's on sale. Here's an affiliate link if you want to help out the channel. Otherwise, just Google it. And and right. like yeah. I've never had anybody say anything negative just because sure. as long as you're honest, people are like, that's cool, right. you know. Yeah, they get it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I had I posted a just for what it's worth, um, I posted a link to so I did a shootout of 12 inch subwoofers early. No, some, oh gosh, it was a year ago. And um, mm-hmm. on, on that list was a, a Jamo C912 subwoofer. And it was pretty good. You know, it wasn't the greatest, but it, for the price, mm-hmm. it was pretty good. It was like 250 regular price. And somebody had replied to my video like last weekend and said, or the weekend before last, and said that it was on sale for 180 bucks. So I was like, cool. Then I checked it the next day and it was 153. I was like, well, crap. So I posted it on my, on my YouTube community page. And I think nearly 20 people bought one. Like mm-hmm. they were just snapping them up, dude. So it's crazy, but not as I expected. People wow. were going to be like, Oh, you're just doing it. Well, you know, people, but no, man, it was all positive. Like people, some dude was like, I bought four of them. I was like, Holy crap, dude. So, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, no, nah, it's just funny. You're like, uh, yeah. Affiliate links. Right. I'm all yeah. correct. You have to do I like I'm saying, sometimes those reviews that we're talking about that you spend all the time on, they don't often get the most views. We talked about that, Elon, on the yeah. phone. Yeah. You for spend sure. all this time and it's it might not even be the hit video. Yeah. Right? Sure. It could be someone where uh, you know, you're just talking. You're just mm. talking about something you found out. No B roll. Yeah, the more I think about it, I think the reason one of the reasons people watch us is just because we've reviewed so many speakers, they want a shortcut, right? It's like, all right, you review speakers. You've checked a bunch of them out. Like, what's the best one? Like, I don't, that's why the best mm-hmm. works, right? Best works because they don't want to look at all the details. They just like, okay, this is what you do. Can you just tell me? Give me a shortcut. What's the best? You know? So, right. That's kind of funny that that's what works, but it makes sense. That's funny. All right. That is true. Yeah, I looked at the stats for uh, the ELAC DB62 speaker. I was just curious. Mm-hmm. And um, it's got like maybe six or 7,000 views on it. It's made like mm-hmm. $22 or $23, which you guys know that once right. the initial few days are over, that's pretty much it. Yeah, You're not going to make any more money on it. So that's well, it's going like to cap out. Like, video. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Man. So it's, it's going to cap at like maybe 25 bucks. And there's I bought those speakers, which mm-hmm. means I spent $300 on them myself plus the eight to 10 hours that I have in reviewing them. Sure. You know, and, and I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's it takes. I mean, twenty three yeah, bucks, man. You, yeah, that, so if, if yeah, just round it up tough. to twenty, just round it up to twenty four dollars, and say that you spent eight hours, you paid yourself three dollars. I paid myself three dollars an hour. Yeah, to review Chill. that, and that's not even Chill. accounting for the three hundred dollars that I spent to buy yeah. the speakers, and then hey, at least sold you're good loss. Yourself, though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you take care so, of yourself. I take care Probably. of myself. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. I take myself out on. Inexpensive dates. Mm-hmm. So, what is? Oh, thank you, by the way, Optimus, for the super chat. 
I see you. Good to see Later. you. Hope everyone is doing well. Go and vote tomorrow. Yes. All right. Um, so I have a question for you, Elon. Review question. If you don't mm -hmm. mind me putting you on the spot here. Mm -hmm. um, Go for it. So uh, what what uh, biases do you have? Because, you know, a lot of times people, when re they're reviewing stuff or when people are watching reviews, they're always like, oh, you know, you're biased towards this. And I'm like, to me, the way I figure is like, I'm a human. Like, I do have certain biases, right? I like certain things. Liking something is a bias, right? It's subjective. Yeah. So I just try to be honest with myself first and with my audience. Like, this is a bias that I have and this affects things. And if you want to watch the video, that's good. If you don't, I, I, that's okay too. You know, just want to let you know up front, you, you decide, you know? So uh, yeah. is there anything like that that you feel like is a bias? Like for me, it would be, I like speakers with bass and deep bass extension. Like if it has those things and it's n relatively neutral, I'm kind of like, I like the, I, I like that speaker better than another one that's more perfect, hmm. you know, but I let people know anything like that for you. Yeah. Well, I guess, um, I mean, I know sound bars are the rage right now just because of how easy they are to hook up. Um, as far as just like your average consumer who probably has never dealt with home theater before a sound bar is probably what they're going to go for to just be an introduction to home theater in general. Mm -hmm. But like the various sound bars that I have tested, <sighs> I'm just so team receiver preamp, external amp, what, whatever. I, Any, anything but. Yeah. Like I, it's really hard for me to be super enthusiastic about a sound bar system because I know personally that it's probably not going to live up to just having a good old fashioned receiver and wired speakers. So that's probably my biggest vice. Uh, you know, if some company reaches out to me and says, Hey, can you review our soundbar? Like my latest, the latest soundbar I did like a month or two ago was the, the new Sony a 3000. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And I mean, they, they sent me the, the smaller sub, the SW3, and then they sent me the smaller surrounds. And uh, I mean, they they did a pretty good job for what they're worth, but at the same time, they are pretty darn expensive for what mm -hmm. they do. Right. So it was kind of, you know, it's I really I really love Sony. I want to get my hands on the HTA9 at some point because several comments have been asking for me to review that. Just mm. what my take on it is. So I'd love to review that, but uh, I, they're I just so popular those. right now. Yeah. Like you just can't get them. Like Sony was like, eh, we just don't have enough to be able to send out to people just to review and then have them yeah. send them back. Well, I, I've reviewed them thanks to this guy here. Stop the FOMO. He lives close yeah. by. So, you know, he was able to to get those to me. And so, yeah, I reviewed those a while back. But yeah, they've been out of stock for a long time. And he says uh, the Samsung Q990B. Yeah, that's so Samsung is a what, Harman, Harman product, or I guess Harman is a Samsung product, right? Mm -hmm. So I would believe that they would know how to tune that thing. I've never tried them, but I've heard good things about their sound bars. Fifteen hundred bucks, fourteen hundred right. bucks for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. what is up with this? It's an eleven point one 
<laughs> just the bar itself though right come on man Where's, can you pull you it up trying? i want to see this trying? let's give them a little bit of a love here let's see what what's going on here if we were if we were sound bar like shopping this is what 2000. it would look like so crazy it's like what are you guys smoking i've, I've reviewed an lg that was like over a thousand bucks and i didn't like it at all uh. yeah at most no that, that's true I, I reviewed one LG soundbar and man, it was oof, it was rough. I did not like it. Fourteen hundred bucks. That's crazy. They they do TVs really well, but when it comes to soundbars, they're lacking. I mean, come on. Really? Okay, well, infinite sound I know, true. Right? Eleven point four. Uh what does it say in the small what does it say in the small print? <laughs> yeah, not really immersive. True be no. in quotations. Because <laughs> images are simulated. So oh, okay, words, okay. This isn't real. Okay. Oh, man. So, okay, wireless Atmos. And so, you know what? This is this is this the is issue that we've talked fine. about before with Atmos. Is like, it's on here. It says Dolby Atmos, right? The person yeah. who's buying this probably like, you know, yeah. if I'm shopping for sound bars, I should have Atmos. Mm -hmm. And right? see, That's my probably bias, one of the criteria. So My bias is I'm looking for how big is that subwoofer? Mm. I know, right? <laughs> you know, I, I want some decent bass. See all specs right here. Uh, all right, so we've got okay, six hundred and fifty-six watts. Uh, <laughs> Notice there's a question mark. Easy <laughs> <HC> tech. <laughs> eleven channels. Eleven channels. I mean, come on. How does that? How does that work? How many? They don't, they don't even tell you how big the subwoofer is. Mm. Oh, no. that ought to tell you something. Yeah. Probably six. six. Yeah, that was my guess. That's a, that's a lot of specs for not a lot of information. So, Eleven point. <laughs> what is that even? Hold on. Eleven point one point four. Yeah. So you know that we've oh. been messing so around with Atmos lately, and you know, mm -hmm. I think seven point one point four is like kind of the limit for home, like just generally like what's available, content okay. that's available, stuff like that. Right. So Once you. Even up higher stuff. up is 9.1.6. So having wides right. and top middles. This is saying 11? Mm -hmm. well, how? how? So a lot what of them, it so you can see there's probably one here. There's several up firing. So that would be your 0.4. Okay. But then the 11, I think, is all of this up front. Oh, they're counting yeah. all. Side surrounds. That's your front wides, I guess, right here. And then you got. Okay, five. yeah, front wides. Those are probably like surrounds i'm curious i'm curious let's see well that's what i'm trying to find the picture uh, how does this show how is how is it 11 channels so that's normally you get left center right right yeah, that's three like one here one here one uh -huh. there's so that's three six okay. seven eight so there's eight okay. okay and then three up front nine ten eleven that's what it is so you have lcr but it's okay three. lcr yeah, three. You gotta have like front wides, I guess. Okay, wides. So that's right. five, and then the sides right here going out the sides. That's seven. Okay, that's I don't know seven. what that's supposed to be, but like, let's uh, just say surrounds. I'm still missing some. Yeah, and then there's surrounds, and then let's say rear surrounds. We're yeah. at nine. Yeah, so there's probably an another pair of speakers, like maybe right to like in between the left. I don't, and, right, I don't know. I don't like know. Okay. Are they it's pretty wonky, man? There's are they no counting way. radiators? I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it doesn't really say. Of course, I mean they're not gonna show you what all's in there. 
I mean, they're two. probably what two inches at best. Okay, I'm about to buy yeah. one and just find out. Uh, Ike says it has two <laughs> wide surrounds and front wides. Okay, so two wide surrounds. All right, sure. Yeah. Okay, it's it's janky. All right, well they uh, they better sure. know their psychoacoustics to pull that off. You know what I mean? Yeah. From a sound bar making it sound like that, I don't know. I mean, I wish I wish it were true. You know, I wish it were true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Sennheiser, Sennheiser's new Ambio Max and Ambio Plus, mm-hmm. they, their claim to fame is that it's a soundbar that can pull off 7.1.4 mm-hmm. with just the soundbar. No yeah. rear surrounds or anything. Yeah. So they're relying yeah, I don't know how they get away with that. Reflections. Well, they're relying on a whole lot of reflections. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, I wish it were true. I wish it were true because uh, that would be pretty cool, you know, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they're there yet. I mean, Sennheiser does, they do a lot of stuff with psychoacoustics, right? Yeah. They've been doing stuff with that. I've got several of their microphones. I've got several of their headphones. I'm like a pretty diehard Sennheiser fan. Mm -hmm. And every time I reach out to them to try and get some review, they're just crickets. They just Uh ghost me. Nothing. So. Hmm. I don't know what their deal is. I heard a, I think it was a Sennheiser, I think, soundbar, one of their high, it was pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that impressed. Now, he did have some like vaulted ceiling, so you're not going to get any kind of reflection oh, off yeah. that. But it just wasn't that great. I was Randall like, says, okay, it's a soundbar. I'm, I'm pretty sure they only have the Ambio. It's just the yeah. Ambio Max and Ambio Plus. That's yeah. all they offer as far as soundbars. Yeah, I don't know what model it was. But, yeah. Well, I'm right. open to it. Like I said, I'm open to the idea. The only, you know, the sound bars that I think that I can recommend to people mm-hmm. are the Sonos ones. Just because they're yeah. tuned pretty well. You know what I mean? Like when I looked at the response, I measured them. I I thought they're just going to be all over the place, but it looks like they're trying to go for the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. despite any limitations that the the sound bar has with regards to, you know, spaciousness and and stereo imaging and all, you know, physical limitations. Overall, mm-hmm. there it it sounds pretty decent. Like I can imagine somebody getting that and saying, "Oh, I like this." And on top of that, their app and like the wireless streaming, whole home audio, you know, right. it's a they have their ecosystem, which is kind of the bad part, right? So you like this, yeah. you like the Sonos Beam, Sonos Arc, whatever it is. Oh, you want to add a sub? There's got to be a Sonos sub. You know, you can't just add mm-hmm. any sub. Are you crazy? That's the that's the tie-in that I'm. I don't really love about it, but the tuning on those is pretty good. And I can imagine somebody just enjoying them, you know, especially music. Cause I've actually got, uh, we're still hopefully moving into our new house before Thanksgiving, fingers crossed, but mm-hmm. if not, definitely before Christmas. Yeah. Congratulations. But, uh, man. Thank you. Thank you. We're, we've been in, we've been living in my little, this little house uh, that my brother-in-law owns for mm-hmm. you know 10 months now yeah. <laughs> so we are ready to move and that's the one that you did you did the home theater in that the room right uh in the shed yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's crazy so so yeah the our new home is just a half a mile away from here mm-hmm. so i'll still be going here i'll be mm-hmm. commuting here <laughs> mm-hmm. to just to you know go into the shed and Gotcha. You know, mess around and do so all that'll be your studio. Now. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. 
but uh but yeah right now in our little living room we've got a sonos beam and a couple of sl1s behind us and yeah it sounds fantastic especially with music sonos mm-hmm. has dialed in their stuff for for music reproduction so well it have you noticed on the sonos awesome. that they make it sound like it's further back than it actually is like the sound stage doesn't sound like it's just there like it sounds like it's a little bit yeah. behind it's like a cool like trick that they do. I don't know exactly how they do it, but it sounds further back. And of course, they try to make it sound wider, which everybody does. Right. But they they pull it off, I think. Yeah, I think so too. But still not better than two bookshelf speakers and a sub, in my opinion. <laughs> At the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so you you know, we've been talking a lot about on wall, on ceiling. And I know you've been doing your own experiments and in your videos, I always thank you. Like, thanks for trying it because that's the tough thing is Mm -hmm. actually like putting in the work and trying it. And then, you know, you can form an opinion based on, you know, your experience. And I always respect that over this kind of theory because a lot of times people say, well, theoretically it should do this and this is why they, I'm like, I appreciate that too. That's all good. But when it comes down to it, trying it and having an idea what, you know, your experience is, I think is important. And I don't think any, you know, maybe most people can't do that. Maybe they don't have the speakers. They don't want to make holes in the wall, you know, all these things. So, um, yeah. yeah. Can you kind of give us a summary about, about that experience? You're still talking to me. Yeah. You're, you're the, you're our guest, man. I, I talk to these guys all the time. I know. Here's what I know. Aaron, he, That's he, at the moment, dude. he doesn't really care That's too much funny. about that stuff. Michael loves his Atmos setup. So he has no complaints. He has no interest in, you know, trying the other thing. So I, I, I we've heard from them. I want to hear from you. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, I was, I was so gung ho about uh, getting that voice of God channel up straight above me and uh although i don't know it's ever since i reviewed the the iota avx 17 Mm -hmm. that's pretty much been my permanent uh preamp that's been connected ever since every once in a while i'll throw the sr 7015 back on um but uh yeah when i when i tested out like a a true RO3D setup for the first time um, with the Marantz SR7015, man, I was like, I didn't really get a lot coming out of the voice of God, or at least that I could really tell. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, I mean, I never made a video on that or anything. I just, because I'll I'll eventually revisit RO3D and compare that to Dolby Atmos and DTSX because I did that a while ago in my old house, but now having like a proper dedicated home theater, I want to do that again. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of underwhelmed. Not not just with RO3D in general. I'm talking about just the voice of God. Me too. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I just when thought it, comes to it was going to be like a game changer. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's something straight above me. It's going to sound so cool. It's like, eh. <laughs> yep. I mean, but I still like RO3D up mixing. That that is still true. Mm. But no, I'm uh, with you. I'm, I'm with you. Thing. If I lost the Voice of God channel, or if it was disconnected, I'm not sure that I would notice too much. And that's kind of the hint to me yeah. that a speaker up there is not the greatest thing. You know, from experience, it's not 
If you look, if if you're watching this and you're like, you know, you're trying to decide whether you need that. I don't know. I don't know that I'd want to go out of my yeah. way. And that's what we're trying to do, right? We're just trying to share our experience. So maybe you can right. save somebody the hassle of uh, Reverend Slim says filling holes because he's tried lots <laughs> right. of different configurations. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the only downside about having the IOTA as my mm. main preamp right now is that it doesn't support RO. So, mm. I mean, it, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, I like. I definitely like the up mixing for sure. You know, it's interesting. This morning, I was thinking about uh, maybe what's a better way. What's a better way to do this whole immersive thing? Mm -hmm. You know. Um, just because, you know, again, I watched that uh, the scene from No Time to Die. It's kind yeah. of a scene that I go back to because I've been messing around with different different effects and stuff. But I, I went and watched that. I'm like, there's nothing happening here, right? As far as Atmos, anything like that. There's nothing happening in the height channels. And I understand from Reverend Slim that he said that they didn't they only had two weeks to make the whole mix. So they didn't have time to do it. Two right? weeks. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's interesting because I've been watching a lot of oh, uh, cool. a lot of these uh, mixers like they have they, there's channels where these guys who mix in Atmos, they all kind of get together and they talk about, you know, they're just talking shop. Right. What they do, their process, you know, you know, things that they have issues with, what translates, what doesn't translate. The one I'm watching is called like Lost in Translation. That's what they call their podcast thing. Kind of cool if you guys are interested. Um, but I guess, I guess what I'm thinking is, yeah, it, it's tough when it comes to not having enough time, right? So that movie, it was more a time constraint, but for the end user, it's kind of disappointing, right? If you're, you're excited to watch a movie, you set a, this whole thing up, you go to watch like, oh, nothing's happening. Right. And I think that's when the Oro up mixer can, can work, but here's the next step further, right? Here's, here's the next step. It kind of makes sense to me. Like. If they don't have time, wouldn't it make sense to have metadata for the space? So let's just say with Dolby Vision, they have metadata, right? That tells you about like, you know, how, how stuff, the, the HDR should be mapped, tone mapped. Um, it seems to me that it would make the most sense and like the best use of the bandwidth is to say, you know what? This scene is in this like cave. Right, this is what this room should kind of sound like. Right, so add these kind kinds of reverb and reflections for this particular room. Next scene, we're outdoors. Choose the outdoor mix, and then you know, it would just be easy. And then your your processor should decode that and make the proper sound for each space. To me, that makes the most sense because people could do it quickly. You know, they could override it if they wanted to, but. It would be something like if you only had two weeks, you can still get a good experience and it wouldn't take that much uh, data. Right? What do you guys think about that? Does that make sense to you guys? A little bit. No? No. Yeah. <laughs> Elin, did you I mean, follow? Yeah, it's, yeah, kind of. I mean, it's like... It's, it's, <laughs> kind of. It's as if like, you know, there should be some sort of baseline if you're mixing in atmos there should be some sort of baseline like okay i've got these plugins i've got these presets 
I'm mixing in Atmos, so I'm just automatically going to be dealing with these presets and these plugins. Um, because, because yeah, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't really matter how many speakers you have. You can have thirty speakers. You can have a seven. You know, mixing on a seven point one point four. You know you know, post-production facility or something like mm -hmm. as long as it somehow tells the 4k Blu-ray disc or Netflix or whatever, as long as it tells it to matrix it properly, then we should be getting amazing Atmos mixes every mm -hmm. time. I think the hard part is because we have so many different, like I even did a poll on my, with my audience of, like what type of configuration do you have? You know, 5.1.2, 5.1.4. I couldn't do a bunch because it only allows you so many options. But mm -hmm. but because everybody has so many different setups, I think it is hard for engineers because they're mixing for, you know, a certain, at least minimum bed layer. You know, maybe that's a 7.1.2, or I'm sorry, 7.1.4. So if somebody has only five speakers, on the bed layer and then only two speakers up top. Well, it's going to be really difficult to kind of reproduce that even though the metadata says, okay, we'll just send, send the, uh, you know, the rear Atmos speakers to the two in the middle. Well, I mean, even Chana posted, I think his video today, he was talking about how you're going to miss that pan from front to back, you know, so right. and you physically can't do anything about that. So I think for the most part, you're still going to have, whether it's an Oro setup, whether it's an Atmos setup, whether it's DTSX, you're going to need like a minimum speakers. Then if you've got more speakers, then of course the AVR or processor, it's going to know what to do with those. Um, but I think it's the opposite is where we kind of run into issues and we don't hear it maybe properly because we just don't have yeah. sufficient speakers to make that happen. And I've always tried to tell people with two or when you have two Atmos speakers, it's I kind of equate that to having only two front speakers and trying to get mm -hmm. surround sound out of it. You know, it's really hard to do that. I mean, you can get an immersive kind of enveloping sound from a pair of speakers, but you can't reproduce only sounds from the back and separate that from sound from the front with just two speakers. It's just physically impossible to do that and so um so i'm a big proponent of having four atmos speakers um i just don't think it's it's really difficult to get that proper placement and proper positioning with just two and i think i even read somewhere just recently they were saying if you don't have four atmos speakers you actually don't have object placement or objects is that what mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like it doesn't use objects i'm like well, that's kind of interesting. I would, I just always assumed that, you know, if it said Atmos on your, on your AVR, then all right, it's sending Atmos objects to each speaker, but um, that's maybe not the case. Yeah, I think what is it? Seven point one point two is like you know you can have static, a static mix which mm -hmm. is seven bed layer two heights. Mm -hmm. Um. And nothing, it can all be channel-based. Yeah. It's when it goes from the two heights to the four, that's right. when it becomes um, object. Yeah. And even then, you know, even then, I'm not sure that it makes a huge difference. Like, if there were, if it was all channel-based, 
Mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't really have an issue with that, you know. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, somebody was saying, yeah, uh, uh, having the metadata to produce a sound is not, <laughs> might not be the best idea because, you know, they all sound the same, right? And I guess I was just figuring maybe that should they should make that easy, right? That should be something yeah. that they can easily implement to make the sound good. And I yeah. think most of the stuff that's been said here is it's not really Atmos's fault because they're just they provide the tools to be able to move stuff around, right? Making it sound realistic and actually using it, that's a whole different thing. Um, but it's its kind of tough because, you know, they are also promoting it as something that's going to be this immersive uh, sound, you know? And if it's not that, you know, yeah, we can say, hey, you know, if you didn't have enough time, that's the reason. That's the reason why it's not good. But then it's also it's also mm, maybe they don't have enough tools. Maybe they don't they, maybe they don't have enough tools, and maybe the expectations are too high, right? And that's what I'm trying to kind of just bring down to you know a realistic level. So when people are spending money on this stuff, they understand okay, this is what it can and cannot do, and you know, hopefully people will come up with ways to make it better. Because you know, I think I think a lot of these guys are just assuming that. You know, they're, they're making something in Atmos that everybody's just automatically impressed. And I hope they see some of, you know, our videos and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, somebody's actually paying attention to see if these are good mixes. You know. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. I think um, if it were, because I know people have said, you know, you're not really going to get a true mix or like a true discrete atmos experience unless you have storm audio or trinoff because just their processing is just out of this world and their their room correction software is just insanely good mm-hmm. so like what about what is it about their processing about their patents or whatever that makes it so expensive for one and why can't um because i I know like i know elon musk for his patents on his batteries i think i think Mm -hmm. he just made them public so like anybody any car manufacturer can Mm -hmm. use that same patent to make their batteries as well so there needs to be more of that just kind of sharing this technology to Denon, to Marantz, and maybe somehow finding a way to make it cheaper mm-hmm. so that not only just the elite and, you know, 0.5% people who mm-hmm. actually have a trend-off can experience that. Well, this guy has uh, a trend-off here. This guy here, Stop the FOMO. His is two-channel though, right? No, I don't know. Um, FOMO, let us know if you've got the 16-channel yeah, um, yeah, or 32-channel. I knew he had one in his two channel setup. Yeah. Yeah. He's I, like, hey, you want to review this? I, heard like, his, I don't know. His, um... uh, yeah. So, what I think your question or your comment was about whether they have different processing in there to make it sound better. And here's, here's my take, right? So, I have the Dolby Atmos render open in right now on my M1 MacBook Pro, uh, M1 Max, right? 
Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure those Trinovs, I don't think they have more processing power than this computer. I can tell you right now, yeah. right? So yeah. this is the 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 render and you know it gives you all these different options, different ways to down mix and things like that. You can actually change up all these uh, all these options on here, right? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like I can use this as my I don't know. You can just imagine like this is uh, Dolby Atmos. I don't know decoding or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I see all the features there, right? I don't think that these other processors have anything different from from Atmos. Uh, maybe a movie theater that's different, right? Movie theater. That's you know I'm talking about something separate there, right? Mm-hmm. But I think for uh, these home consumer facing products, the main difference is really the room correction. Yeah, I think yeah. You know, I don't think it's really different from Dolby themselves. Yeah, with things like Storm Audio, um, there's a lot, a lot of customization you can do if you want to yeah. get into it. If you want to dive into it, it's definitely not, you know, hit start, go grab a cup of coffee, come back, and and you're good to go. It's more like okay, we're gonna get into this thing and we're gonna manually calibrate it before it even does its calibration, and we're gonna try this and try to get it as best we can. And then we're going to run, you know, the nine positions or 13 positions or whatever. But even then, it still gives you tons of flexibility with going back and making some changes to phase and a lot of that manual adjustments. And, you know, I think Odyssey is is coming a long way with being able to now have their paid software that you can buy for like a couple hundred bucks. But I still don't think it's it's like the level of, you know, direct live or trinov or um Mm -hmm. maybe even room perfect i haven't had much experience with that but i've heard a bunch of different home theaters you know when i've done several tours um probably at this point i've heard over 50 home theaters and of course i've heard some incredible incredible one of my favorite home theater tours that i've ever experienced was using an emotiva processor Hmm. the rmc1 i believe phenomenal i mean phenomenal sounding I heard another one, my second, probably one of my second, I don't want to say like in order, but basically out of the top three, another one was using the Emotiva processor. Now that same processor was the buggiest thing I've ever reviewed on my channel, but when it works, it sounds fantastic. And so it, to me, it's not necessarily about, you know, which model or which brand. See you, Aaron. See you, buddy. uh, Has the best you know, whatever features, it's a lot. I think probably 90% of that is knowing what you're doing and calibration and proper calibration because the people that I've heard amazing home theaters from, they really, really, really value calibration. I mean, like they spend a ton of time, you know, I'm more casual with my setup. I'll be honest. I mean, I run Odyssey, do a couple of changes, but I'm not spending like seven and a half hours in there tweaking and adjusting and EQing and taking a measurement of my left. You know, I just don't do that in my system, but these guys do. Yeah. That's just, that's just part of being a reviewer as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just how, how things have to work when we're switching things in and out all the time. So yeah, I totally get that because I'm the same way. I might, I'll just run, you know, room correction software that's built, into the AVX 17 and then yeah 
watch something. Well, I've, I've, <laughs> found that, I've found that. That, that that can make a huge difference though, right? So running, calibration, doing it all properly can really change the way your system sounds. Sure. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because I always have a few different presets, right? I want to be able to switch quickly back and forth between yeah. no EQ, sure. you know, the default EQ, my method. So I can switch be- and I can switch between them and they sound like different systems. That's how big of a difference it is, you know? They don't yeah. sound the same at all, you know? Um, so to me, it's like one of the biggest things that you can do is to calibrate, you know? Right. I think it's a huge deal so then, when it comes to, to speakers, yeah. So if it, if, it's, if it comes down to customization and calibrating, mm-hmm. then what makes Trinoff so expensive? I think go ahead on the road, you know, so like with the Marantz, I mean, when you're looking at all right, prime example, the new, let's say, um, Marantz and Denon have, you know, HDMI 2.1, they have 8k support. Well, if you've got an older unit, well, if you want that, those features, you just need to buy a new processor or buy a new AVR, something like a Trinov. Um, I think most of their stuff is like firmware updated. So you can just kind of download that and install it to get additional uh, features and functionality. Something like yeah. a storm audio, um, you can actually send it, or I'm sorry, most of their components are modular. So mm-hmm. when you purchase one through a local dealer, the dealer literally, I just found this out yesterday, a local dealer can come to your house swap out, you know, HDMI board, as long as it's not like the main board, which that I think has to be sent back to the main, you know, manufacturer. But if it's, if it's something like a component, they can just swap it out. It's pretty simple. It's definitely modular. So Mm -hmm. things like that, I think is maybe it lengthens the lifespan of that product, but it's a pretty, pretty high premium for that. And like you said, I mean, that's going to be your one percenters, two percenters. I don't know what the number is, but definitely not for everybody. So the vast majority of people are looking for options like the IOTA that are very, very affordable. What is that unit? About a thousand? No, uh, it's, it's more like two grand. Okay. But even the the MC one, the Emotiva MC one, that's a thousand. Okay. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. But even in the grand scheme of things, I mean, all right. So $2,000 is a lot of money. But when you're comparing that to something like a lot, I mean, even shoot, let's look at Marantz. Marantz processors right now are insanely expensive, man. It's like they they went up 35% or so. So it's like, holy cow, you know? So it, even those are getting really expensive. And just two years ago, people were saying they were expensive then. So, Yeah. You know, uh, so there's some good comments here about Trinov specifically. Uh, so I do believe uh, FOMO has a Trinov. I know I don't know how many channels he has. Did he say sixteen? Oh, did you maybe? mention that? Um, so yeah, basically it's a computer, right? And you can okay, do all yeah, kinds of stuff, yeah. and you can get he support. Has a Twenty and, channel and a four channel. Okay, wow. so he's got yeah, he got some big boy stuff. I so think he has the sixteen version, and then they just added an ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of a cool thing. Like, here's more channels. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, I think when it comes down to the room correction, I don't know if this is exactly how it works. It would be great to have uh, John Heron on 
from Trinov. Yeah. We should I should actually reach out to him one time yeah, John, John to get him on. But here's the way I kind of imagine it working, Elon. And I don't know if this makes sense to you. Um just because you I know you do like music stuff, right? Like mixing. Yeah. To me, what it it seems like it's doing is it's finding all the speakers, right? Because it has their their microphone, it can kind of detect the location, the angle, you know, it, it has a map of the speakers, right? And so mm-hmm. if your speakers aren't in the optimal place, right, then it will, you know, they call it remapping, right? So yeah. I don't know that it's going to make it sound like that speaker is in the pl- proper place, but I'll, here's the way I imagine it. It's kind of like, all right, they map your speakers, right? And then they have an ideal placement for the speakers. Like, here's the here's your size room, and this is where left should come from. It should come from this angle, this direction, right? If you don't have a speaker there, it's gonna start. It's gonna try to keep that angle correct, right? So let's say if you're uh, if you're if they're playing something left, right? And let's say left is supposed to be, you know, or the sound is supposed to be 45 degrees, but your speaker is at 30 degrees, which is where we normally put left, right? Left and right, 30 degrees. So if they want it to be, the sound's supposed to come from 45 degrees, for example, they will make sure to map that accordingly so that when you hear it, the sound is coming from the correct location. I think, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to me, like each speaker becomes its own object, let's just say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here's the speaker, here's, it becomes an object. And um, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but it seems like it would make sense that Let's say if your left speaker was closer to the center, right, than it's supposed to be, that when they play sound out of that speaker, it shouldn't be left. It should be a little bit of a mix of left and center because that's where the actual speaker is. Uh, You see? So to me, that's more just better use of calibration. It's actually just calibration. I don't don't think it's so much that they have a different version of... Atmos, nothing like that. I don't. No, I don't think no. it's that. Yeah, I don't. No, that's gonna be same. Yeah, because yeah, I've heard people mention that. Like, oh, I don't. You know, I think they yeah, maybe have a different version. It. I don't think so. I could I be wrong. That's it. You know. Well, yeah. If I'm gonna be spending seventeen thousand dollars on a preamp, it'd be cool if it could actually physically move the speakers for me somehow. <laughs> if they're not in the right position. Well, like <laughs> Fomo mentions in in the comments, he says that. Um, what was that? He said, I totally need remapping because my speakers aren't perfectly positioned, you know? And so when you look yeah. at most of our rooms, unless you have the ability and the luxury to build it from scratch and to plan it out and to put everything exactly where it's supposed to be, we're kind of right. working with what we've got, which is what I've always tried to encourage people um, on my channel is that if you got a bedroom, make it happen, man, do the best you can with a bedroom. Yeah. You got a bonus room. Right. You got a, a room with a bunch of windows, figure it out, man. You know, it's still going to be better than, you know, your neighbor who doesn't even have a system or doesn't even have a, anything other than his TV speakers, you know, so just make it work. We need to try to save 30 G's for a turn off. Yeah, no, no not me. Yeah. What yeah. I'm trying to figure out is, is there a way to kind of do some of that remapping? You know, that's kind of an idea I've been messing around with for a while is like, yeah. Can you build some of that into the sound itself? You know, so it's less reliant on the actual speaker placement. Anyway, mm-hmm. just some thoughts. Yeah. I'll share with you guys yeah. soon, but it's something that I'm working on. I mean, supposedly that's what the HTA9 does because they can say you can put your four satellite speakers 
anywhere that's convenient, mm -hmm. but we'll still calibrate it in a way that it sounds amazing. So, yeah, that's the, true. The I think that is what they're there. claiming to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. Did and you mess around with that? Like, did What's you that? when you when you reviewed it, Joe? Did you put the speakers in just random places and see if it could calibrate it correctly? Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't do as as much as FOMO because he went and he when he reviewed, he's like blocking the speaker. He's putting it down on the floor, like real weird places, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Straight up, like a you know, putting something in front of it. Um, wow. I didn't go that far, but I did try it in various rooms. And so like, you know, very weird configurations for the rear speakers. And I felt yeah. like it did a good job of kind of, you know, level matching and just the basic stuff that you would expect. Mm -hmm. But it's still not magic, you know? I think that's the the trick, even with a Trinov, you know, there I've read their manual and a lot of it is about speaker placement. So if it was mm -hmm. true that you could just place them anywhere, well, they wouldn't even bother talking about speaker placement. But the a bunch yeah. the whole part of it is like, where's the optimal place? And so they can only do so much, right? If your speaker's in the wrong place, it can't undo that completely. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's that's really it. I think some correction is better than nothing, but physical placement is always number one. 100%. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Can't undo that. Oh, man, too bad Aaron had to leave because he did have a poll that I wanted to mention. Oh, pull it up. We can still pull it up. Um, Let's see. Indie tab. All right, here we go. All right, share. There you go. Let's a little bit for you. That. There it is. It's off the screen. Uh, yeah, so this is Aaron's uh, community page. He says, for those of you who own passive speakers, what was or is the approximate retail cost for the pair, you can select multiples. If you, Okay, so you can't select multiples, but uh, what's interesting is most people are between 1,000 and 5,000, mm -hmm. which is higher than I thought. Wow. Yeah. Or maybe that's people who watch his channel, right? And that's a, <laughs> the other thing. Maybe he's getting them to buy the expensive ones because it only measures them like, anyway. Um, yeah. I, I have some expensive ones, but I review speakers, you know? Yeah. I don't know that if I didn't do this, I don't know that I would spend that much. Uh, I think for me, realistically, I'd be in the 500 to 1,000, right? That would be my my comfort zone for speakers if I wasn't a reviewer. Like um, even for your LCR? Uh, For the pair, right? Cost for the pair? Yeah. Like right now, I'm still using the Monolith Encore T6 Towers. And those are 700 a pair, 800. They're like very inexpensive for oh, the wow. pair. Like the least expensive that you could probably find for a pair of, you know, good measuring floor standing speakers that can play that deep. Right. So what, is, what have you spent? Do you know like what the cost of your front pair is? Well, uh, right now I'm rocking the, the uh, Aperion Audio Theatris T80s. Mm -hmm. So I think they're like 1400 1500 each. Mm. Okay, so you're still in that 1000 to 5000 Yeah. I guess that's a pretty big range too. 
Yeah, I would, say, I would say, I would probably say I would be in the 1,000 to 2,000 range. Okay. What are if what are years, Michael? They're like seven. Seven what? For both? Seven, yeah. Okay, seven Gs for both. So you're on the upper end of, oh, you're, you're in this 5,000 plus. Yeah. All right. Seven Gs? Mm-hmm. 3,500 Gs. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ooh. not, yeah, for the pair. Wow. List, um, just, yeah. So there, what is, Chana's probably in the, still in the 1,000 to 5,000 for his, what's he, he has some books now? Focals. Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember. Yeah, true. Oh. Yeah, for a while he had the Martin Logans, and they were pretty expensive. Martin Logan, I forget what model those were. They were the Electrostats. Any uh, questions in the chat? Do you guys have any questions for us? Let me get this on. Michael, any you've questions? got you've got identical LCR, right? Correct. Yeah. It's the yeah. 212 HTRs from JTR and then right. um, 418s in between those. Wow. Do you have more subwoofers behind you too? Mm-mm. I don't even have room behind me. Yeah, because my room is it's pretty, it's relatively small. It's yeah. only 13 wide, 19 deep, but my yeah. cabinet is about four foot of that 19 foot. So my floor right. space is only 13 by 15. And then my rear row has the riser and the theater seat. Right. So there is a little bit of room on the back left corner. So I technically mm-hmm. I could probably put like a single 18 back there. But mm-hmm. other apart from trying to get better seat to seat, like maybe on my back row or whatever, there's I mean, I don't need additional base. I mean, 418s right. is more than sufficient. The LCR <laughs> yeah. have dual 12s in them. So so six twelves and and four eighteens is is plenty, you know. When oh, I had wow. dual fifteens, yeah, yeah, you know the sure. PB. When I had the PB fifteen or PB sixteens, you know, having dual fifteen inch drivers, that was a lot of bass in there. You know, they just didn't yeah. dig anywhere close to what the JTRs do. You know, they would roll off about seventeen hertz. The JTRs are flat down to like five hertz. So. Yeah, it's crazy. Aaron, uh, dude, we I see you're back. You kind of so missed it. We we did bring up your uh your poll. What are you yeah. what are what are your thoughts on that? And what was yeah, the reason? Well, uh I was just gonna say first of all, I'm actually driving to get a friend right now, so I'm calling and I'm not watching, but I'm missing um somebody mentioned in comment and by group, but there's I was really just kind of interested. Cutting out, you're like cutting out a little bit, bro. You're cutting out, you're cutting what out about now. Okay, now, all right, what much better. Now? Go ahead, okay. buddy. All right, sorry about that. All right, so somebody mentioned in the comments that there was a, a large gap between 1,000 to 5,000 and then 5,000 plus, which, yeah, I agree with. Uh, the reason that I had made it that way, I was really just kind of curious to see who was in what I would consider like more like the budget side of things, and I would consider mm-hmm. budget like maybe a thousand bucks and below. Just kind of grabbing yeah. a number out of the air, but then within that thousand dollars and below, where's the break for most people? So I was mm-hmm. kind of curious about that. But yeah, yeah, I was surprised to see that so many people are purchasing speakers <laughs> that I would consider not budget, at least on my channel. I thought the majority yeah. of people were purchasing stuff that was under it, which I guess is true. 
but I just was surprised that mm-hmm. I don't even remember what that percentage was, maybe 20 something percent or a, a thousand to 5,000. Thousand to 5,000 is 23%. Yeah. So I mean, then, it, it's kind of a, 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 an even split for most of those categories. So I was kind of surprised to see that I expected less than that for that thousand to 5,000 range. I expected the majority mm-hmm. of people to be well under that, but mm-hmm. that was kind of neat. Yeah. I would, I would have expected probably, well, either the 500 to a thousand or a thousand to 5,000, you know, because that's attainable for most people, even though that's a lot of money, you know, when you're spending $2,000 on a pair of speakers, that's a lot, but it's Mm -hmm. still attainable. Somebody could save up the money. They can work some overtime. They can sell some speakers, you know, or sell some stuff in their garage that they haven't used in 10 years, kind of thing, some tools or whatever. So you can yeah. save up that. So I, that really doesn't surprise me that so many people, 37% of your audience that responded to the poll are in that thousand to 5,000 range. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. So mm-hmm. it's just interesting to see it sure. uh, put down like that. Also, Joe, you were talking about the, um, like, I don't know what mm-hmm. if it's the Trinov or if it's the Sony unit. And I apologize mm-hmm. if you guys can't hear me because like I said, I'm driving. Right oh, now, you're good. So I know yeah, I we got you. Yeah, okay. we got you. Um, the thing I was thinking about, though, is uh, God, my mind just went blank. I apologize. I'll come back to that. It's all Let's good. Forget it. It's I'll interrupt you if I think of it randomly. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. Also, uh, regarding the poll, though, is I wonder if it's just different different audiences too, right? Because you're reviewing so many speakers, and right, you know, the better, the more expensive ones typically measure better. And I wonder if you're attracting people who are more interested in getting the perfect, you know, their ideal speaker. You know, I know Randall here saying, Aaron made me buy expensive speakers now totally broke. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're welcome. But so I'm, I'm curious, I'm going to copy and paste your poll here and I'm going to use the same exact, um, yeah, same exact numbers. And I'm kind of curious to see if I'll get different results because my channel is more focused on more affordable stuff, what I think is more affordable, right? I was getting in trouble for that because people are like, $700 affordable? Yeah, I know. It's all relative. Yeah, no, I get yeah. it. And, and I would like yeah. to see, um, I'm not saying that Randy should, but Randy Cheap Audio Man, I would be curious to see what the results would be for him because his channel really is focused toward, you know, $1,000 and, and below. I would be curious mm-hmm. to know how many of his audience have speakers that are over $1,000. Um, I do remember what I was going to say about yeah. the speaker mapping, though. Was mm-hmm. that, you know, as well as I do, if, okay, so going back to poor speaker placement and those mm-hmm. processors can't make up for poor speaker placement. And the right. one area that it really is going to hit you is multiple seats. So when we're talking about this stuff, we're often thinking about, or I do at least, I'm thinking of one seat because I'm more stereocentric. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's worth kind of noting that the majority of people in the home theater audience should also be considering the other seats. So the way that those DSPs are making up for, you know, a non-ideal speaker placement is through level matching and time delay, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem comes that as soon as you add somebody else into the room and they're sitting next to you, well, everything is thrown off because mm-hmm. that perfecting or that perfect placement mm-hmm. is no longer there. Sure. So that's something else to maybe consider too. And it might be worthwhile if somebody's going to try to do, like even if FOMO, I don't know if he considered doing that, just try moving different seats you know i don't know if he just did one seat location or multiples or what but well here here's the funny thing aaron is i have four theater seats and uh most of the time it's just me 
most, most of the time, <laughs> yeah, I get right? it. I it's get it. me watching a video and uh, they don't want to watch what I'm watching. So that's the truth. But I keep the four seats because it looks cool. Right. Um, yeah, but so, I, you know, I, I think it's interesting because you are a car audio guy that, you know, used to, you know, be hardcore into that. And those speakers right. are very in a very weird places. Right. Oh, They're absolutely. like not in the optimal place. So does that kind of remapping make sense, though? Um, like, what would be the best way to have a, uh, a stereo image that's accurate? So meaning if something's supposed to be 45 degrees to the left, but your speaker is not 45 degrees, it's like right in front of you, kind of, right? If you're mm -hmm. in, the, in, in the driver's seat, right? It's kind of like slightly to the left, but not 45 degrees. What's the right. best way to approach that so that it sounds correct like the the angle yeah, I mean, you know i saw i saw an old video yeah. of you doing the uh rebecca pigeon thing and like you had this oh yeah thing showing the angle like you know the where stuff is supposed to come from okay mm -hmm. so how do you do that when you don't have a speaker where it's supposed to be i mean the truth the real truth of it is you can't um you know so that's when you get into crazy dsp and adding multiple speakers and doing spatial effects and things like that, then it makes it a little bit easier, especially when, when you've got a center channel to, to anchor things. Mm. But if you're talking about like stereo and mm -hmm. you need to be dead in the center of the two speakers, you're not going to make the sound stage, for example, wider than the physical placement of the speaker other than <clears> through <throat> reflections. Right. So you can maybe do some weird stuff, possibly like mm -hmm. turning your speakers completely off axis, facing the reflection point and wow. adding a, a secondary, like, um, a point source, right? So a point source is anywhere that the sound originates from. Uh -huh. And the ideal point source is one speaker that covers 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. That's the ideal speaker, ideal point source. Mm -hmm. um, and in car audio, if you want to have a sound on the driver's side sound like it's wider than the driver's side, well, good luck, right? Because you can't really put the speaker any further out than like the A pillar or the door or something like that. So the next best thing you could do is find a speaker that's highly directive, put it in the center of the car, maybe aim it toward where you want it to bounce off of and have a reflection be that point source. Mm -hmm. So but like that's that not, sound bar. That's not realistic. <laughs> Possibly. But see, the thing about the sound bars that bother me when y'all were talking about earlier, and, and it's always bothered me is they're not highly directive. Like we know that low frequencies yeah. radiate more widely, more omnidirectional. And then usually depending on the size of the speaker, let's say, Anywhere from like 200 to 500 hertz, it's going to be start to become more narrow. And then you get like to maybe, let's say, one kilohertz. It's more forward firing. And then by about eight kilohertz, it's pretty much within a cone of like plus or minus maybe 60 degrees or 30 degrees, depending on the tweeter type. Right. So as you mm -hmm. get higher in frequency, it starts to narrow up. But at the mid-range frequencies, it's still radiating all around that speaker. So I never really understood when people talk about, well, we just do it via reflections. We're going to bounce the sound off this sidewall. Well, no, you're not. It's still going to originate from the drive unit itself, from that little two-inch mid-range or whatever they're using. It's still going to come from there. Now, the high frequencies may bounce off the side, but those low mid-frequencies are coming from that sound bar. Mm. And I, that's what I don't understand about that whole that logic of things. And I played around with those sound bars, and I kind of get it. I mean, they, to me, they're kind of gimmicky, if I'm being honest. They work to some degree, but I think a lot of it is purely based on psychoacoustics, which is great for them. That's what they're, that's what they say they do. The majority of them, like the old um, Yamaha, that was huge. You guys remember that thing? It was like six or eight inches tall, mm -hmm. and it had like Bunch a huge array of yeah, like two or one inch drivers. You know, it was just 
nuts. That thing was cool, but you can't tell me that it would truly replace a legitimate like home theater with 11 channels of surround sound. It's not going to do that. I don't care what they say, right? Like it's just mm -hmm. not because the sound originates from that sound bar at the low to mid frequencies for certain. That's not debatable. That is 100% mm -hmm. fact. Precedence. So yes, exactly. So you're going to hear that sound and then you're going to hear the reflective sound later. But, and the other thing too, is a lot of those use smaller drivers. So like a two inch driver, uh, speed of sound divided by like two inches. Let's just say that's 6,000. Okay. So it's going to be like 6,000 Hertz before it really starts to become pretty focused. So that means you got all the way up to the mid treble and that sound is not going to be directional. Or it's not going to be pointed right at the wall and bouncing off that. So it's going to sound like it's coming from the sound bar. So again, mm -hmm. you're left with almost a stereo or a monaural source right in front of you. Yeah. And that's, Chris Wyndham, you are right. It was Spanish Harlem, by the way. Spanish Harlem. Yep. That's that is, it. that is correct. Oh, so would it make sense though? Let's say if you had a, in a car, of course you don't, but if you had a supporting, uh, surround speaker like a wide speaker to your you know to your direct left i guess you could say like in a b pillar almost something like that right a supporting yeah. speaker kind of like how you're saying the center channel can uh support the stereo image by just you know telling you where middle is at least right, right? uh would it make sense to kind of do what i was saying earlier though is saying hey this left speaker is not playing actual left it's more like center left ish and use yeah. the other speaker to kind of like all right this is this is you know like very left and right. if you need left put it somewhere in between both of these that'll get you the right angle right so yeah i see what you're talking about i've done something similar to that where i put speakers in the b pillars i've also done where i've put speakers in the headrest right behind each ear and then use mm -hmm. that to cancel out the you're next That's level. Fancy, <laughs> That's crazy. That's fancy. And so, wh which one worked best of those two? Either. Oh, may have lost him. Yeah, may have lost him. I'm just kind of curious okay. which one of there those two Sorry. worked. Yeah, yeah. Which one of those two worked best, or what worked well, and what didn't? Right. So, what I did at one point in time was I put two speakers in the headrest, uh, one behind each ear, and this was just me playing around with stuff. And I was trying to go for uh, interoral crosstalk cancellation, basically. So in, the, in car audio, the real issue you have is you're not seated, you're not seated in the center of the car. So you right. lose that true uh, plus minus 30 degrees stereo separation, which means that on the driver's side, that speaker is usually it's like maybe 15 degrees off axis, like to the left. And so that's about the widest the sound is going to be off to the left. But on the right side, it could be like 45 or 60 degrees. So generally speaking, and, and this is like a decade plus of car audio experience, like what you wind up having is in terms of soundstage with time alignment, with uh, DSP using equalization and levels uh, to match between sides, you can put the, the vocalist in the center of the car on the dash, but. Oh, cut out, cut out. You could put the vocalist in the center of the dash. Oh, oh hopefully he comes back. Right. Oh, we no. we lost you at we you can put the vocalist in the center of the dash. Okay, he's on his yeah, BMX right now. Yeah, I'm on my BMX right he's, now. That's what it is. He's, he's up on a ramp. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh so you can put the vocalist in the center of the dash, 
and the sound stage on the right is going to sound further than the sound stage on the left so the best thing you can do on the left is <laughs> physically like move the pillar out like that's all you can do you can't get mm -hmm. wider than where the physical speaker is sure. because there's no reflection to help increase the ambiance from that mm -hmm. sound stage on the left yeah, right because your speaker is already against that boundary like you can't right. do anything else about it that's it physically so yeah, I, I'm trying to dumb it down a little bit because I keep going in and out. No, we're, that's kind we're, of, we're, we're, we're kind of making fun of the, the headdress idea, like Pontiac Ferrero, Fierro right. had it back in the day, the Miata well, had so, the headdress so the speakers. Idea there, the idea, what, what kills your stereo, sense of stereo in the car is the left side because, okay, so let's say that you're looking dead at a speaker. A, a, mm -hmm. Let's say it's right in front of you, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there's no stereo because both ears hear the same sound at the exact same time in the same right. way, right? But mm -hmm. when you put a stereo in, because of interoral crosstalk, that's kind of what gives you that, that phantom stereo. But as gotcha. you move side to side, one ear starts to hear more of a speaker. So, for example, if you're back on the driver's side of the car, then your left ear, or I'm sorry, your left driver, your left, let's say, mid-range, both ears are going to hear that almost the same because that angle is, it's not 30 degrees anymore. It's like 15 degrees or maybe right. 10 degrees. That makes sense. Now your other, the other speaker on the opposite side of you, that's pretty much your right ears hearing that completely different than your left ear because your head is blocking so much sound that goes to your left ear. Right. They sound completely different. So that's what, that's what causes a lot of weird stuff to go on in the car. So mm -hmm. to kind of overcome that, what I was trying to do with the left speaker was I was trying to send, um, my right ear, the opposite signal that it was hearing from the left speaker via the oh, headrest yeah. speaker, and then doing the same thing with <laughs> the left speaker. I was trying to cancel out so it would give me a sense of bigger soundstage width. Now, I'll tell you guys, it worked, but as soon as you moved your head just a tad, I mean, it didn't matter, dude, mm. like super small, it, it changed everything. You, I mean, your head has to be in a vice ah. for it to work uh. because as soon as you move your head, all the reflections and the direct sound and everything changes, it goes out the window. You see what Got I'm saying? It. So, you know, so well, it, I say all that to say it's a it's a neat idea, but how feasible is it realistically? I don't know. But there's cars that have those, and then like Direct has stereo mm -hmm. systems or multi-channel audio systems in cars. Those are the ones that I find interesting, and I'd be curious to know how they work because they got like legit engineers on that stuff. I was just playing with, like with different signal, like yeah, left so minus right, very, stuff like that. Very, very interesting stuff. It's kind of funny that you know when it comes to car audio, you're all about you know you're all about that, right? And so it's kind of the same exact conversation that Chana and I, I were having with the, the height speaker for Atmos. It's like when there's not a speaker there, right, that's you can't make it sound like it's there. It's going to be very difficult to do that. And that's all we've been just trying to say is like if your speaker's here, it plays a direct sound and that tells you where the speaker is. And so it's hard to kind of get around that. And, you know, I think a lot of people are mistaken. They think that you can just make the sound go anywhere if you have enough speakers kind of kind of kind of but not really you know it's very difficult like to put Dolby sound Atmos where it's where virtualization i've been trying that i've actually been messing around with that have you no yeah so i have 5.1 in here like right here i have a back speaker i just been messing with it and it has an effect you know you may want to check it out. I know you're you like to experiment. It has an effect, and it's starting to make me think that height is more about uh, a change in the in the higher frequencies. The change in tonality really tells your brain it's up there. So, like for example, if I watch something with 
helicopters or, or or an airplane where it's recorded well, where it's recorded with you know the thing going coming you know overhead. Yeah. Even if with no height, my brain kind of just says that's probably up there because of the sound, the tonality of it. Huh. So it's very interesting how that works. What if we didn't actually need height speakers? No, you do. <laughs> so yeah, all the stuff that we're all finding out, I think is is really interesting just through experiments. Do you have any experiments that you want to try, Elon? Any new things that you're kind of like racking your brain with or you know, something you want to um, test out? My next my next test is going to be uh, SVS sent me out an SB four thousand, and uh, just I, I requested that one because that's their least expensive one that they have that has XLR inputs mm -hmm. and outputs. Um, so I was just going to test out if it really does make a difference if you're rocking RCA or XLR. I mean, you know, with what's your what's your theory on that? I've got got my uh, thoughts. I mean it. I don't know about if it's going to affect the actual sound, no. but it's, you know, if you do have possible issues with a noisy signal, mm -hmm. sure. then, then sure. XLRs, yeah. XLRs is the way you got to go. But yeah. as far as like having it better sounding using yeah. XLR, yeah, I don't think right. so. yeah, I'm with you. And then one yeah. thing you'll actually get, uh, I think it's like three dB gain with XLR. So you at least have more true to yes. the amplifier in the subwoofer. Right. So well, that, I'm wondering if it plus. doesn't um, compensate for that though. If it realizes, Hey, you're using XLR yeah, because know. the standard is supposed to be uh, 10 dB of mm -hmm. difference between your LFE channel. Yeah. I think it's 10 dB hotter. Um, so right. I don't think that they do that without compensating for it. I think I remember hearing that they, they, they dial it back when it's, Connected via um, XLR, I think. I don't know. My, my guess is it just the amplifier doesn't have to work as hard, you know, because we yeah. know that you have, you have to double the amplifier's power to gain three dB. So if you're gaining three dB with XLR, that means amplifier is not having to provide as much power to get that same volume. That's and maybe right. that's totally incorrect. I don't know, but you just have uh, a hotter signal. You know, so right. so from experience, the great thing about trying things out is like you can speak like from experience and sure. here when i just set up this avr mm -hmm. here in this room i had the nad i mentioned this last week i had the nad t778 in here no hiss like it was very quiet and that's my pet peeve is hearing hiss from speakers especially when it's yeah. this close to me right I, I can reach out and touch the speaker i don't want to hear any hiss so i hooked up the denon though same exact system and next thing you know i'm like Meh. like i'm hearing a buzz out of the speakers i'm like oh my goodness is this really the amplifier? And I just never noticed because I, you know, I listen from far away. What is the deal? Yeah. And I trace it back down to the fact that anytime I plugged in the RCA to the subwoofer, mm -hmm. the the buzz would come back, right? Yeah. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen on the other AVR. So that would make you think like, oh, okay, something's happening here. And what it actually was was my uh, my my Thunderbolt dock. You know, I have my computer. I have a bunch of stuff here. Yeah, that thing being connected to like the similar like mm -hmm. power, I was getting some kind of ground loop issue yeah. that was only right. showing up on the Denon. Yeah, uh, and and so it could be because you know some of them don't use the ground, right? So if it's not using the right. ground, you won't have the ground loop issue. Yeah. Um, but 
I think that that might be something that would just not be an issue at all if you had XLR, right? Mm -hmm. Some some thing like that, right? That's one of the benefits of it for sure. So yeah, that that might be interesting. How about you, Michael? Any experiments, anything you're trying out? Any reviews that you got coming up? Right now, I'm just trying to get the reviews because I've got a ton. I mean, like literally a ton. So just finished up Mm -hmm. one today. As soon as we get done with the uh, after show, heading back in the theater room. I'll start on the next one. Try to crank that out. Just keep going, man. Because I've got next Thursday, we fly out to um, the Philippines. So I'll be going for about four days, five days over there. So trying to get as much done before I do that. So this is the that uh huge you know couple of pallets you got like that video you did a a little while back yes so that's one that's part of it i mean that's literally just one shipment so i've got three seats from valencia i've got the entire system from clips uh the reference Mm -hmm. premiere 2 um with a pioneer avr 9.2 channel avr with direct live um i've got a pair of headphones I have. I just bought the Apple TV 4K. I'd like to do a video on that. Um, oh yeah, the Gen 3 that just came out. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. I haven't owned an Apple TV literally probably in at least ten years. So I remember wow. when I first got my theater set up, I had an Apple TV, and didn't find a big use for it. The problem I'm having now is I've got an older Nvidia Shield. I think it's like the 2017 model. And it works great for Plex because I can actually have the um, Plex server on the NVIDIA Shield because it has internal storage. And I guess the newer ones don't have internal storage anymore. But it's just kind of, it's pretty wonky, man. When I watch like Netflix or Hulu, sometimes it works. Sometimes I got to reboot it. And I'm just like, I want to get something that works. And so I think the Apple TV would be a good fit for that. So. Right. And then sometime down the road, I may try like Apple Music. And so that'd be a good, you know, source for that. So, but I've got right. that in. I've got a um, OSD subwoofer. Um, golly, man, there's just, there's quite a bit. It's crazy. <laughs> I've got, um, yeah. So just trying to, trying to get through as many of those. Like I said, I just finished up the Heiko speakers. Those are nice. I liked them, but they definitely aren't like my favorite kind of speaker. Um, yeah. you know, we were talking earlier about biases and to me, there just wasn't anything exciting about the speaker. It was just kind of a, it was cool. It sounded good, but I couldn't, I couldn't get it to image at all. Like I never got a, a central image. Um, oh, wow. I, I could move forward. I could move backward in my seat. Usually like, you know, when you've got a pair of speakers set up, you can lean forward and you'll get this, you know, center image that'll lock in and that tells you, okay, I either need to tow them in or tow them out. Um, I tried placing them different, you know, widths apart from each other. That didn't fix it. So really nothing I tried really gained me. I mean, I always felt like I was hearing the speakers. Um, now could that have been me? Yeah. But I've had plenty of other speakers over the years that had no issues locking in a center image, you know? So, um, but they're definitely kind of more of a, I don't, I don't necessarily think they're a laid back kind of speaker. But they're definitely not like a lively kind of speaker, which you know my ears tend to to enjoy more. Right. Uh, real quick, let's answer a few questions before yeah, we man. go. I see some. 
I have some starred stuff here. Uh, David asked a while back, he says, hey guys, I'm trying to get a question answered. Why are there so many AV receivers, amplifiers, and various players dumping buttons and knobs and making users do everything via the remote app? Uh, yeah, you know. Just a sign uh, at a time, really. A I hope that's not a, you know, you know here's, a, here's the thing. Uh, I initially reviewed the SVS uh, sound base amp and uh, originally it didn't come with any remote. And that was one of my complaints. I'm like, I need a remote. Like, I want to just quickly change the volume. I don't want to have to go in an app and then change the volume. And so the new version that they have as a remote. So that's that's the other way around, right? I I think that, you know, physical buttons and knobs are always good. So Yeah, me too. Yeah, what, what do you guys think? Yeah, I don't want I don't want everything app-based. No, um, me neither. I, I like a good remote. Just like you said, just for convenience sake. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you, just to be able to just, psh, it's right next to you, grab it. This is my cat, by the way. Hi. Yeah, I don't see everything going away. I hope that never happens. Here's another one. Uh, thank you for the super chat. Hector Santana says, I'm looking at getting that Denon X3800H smaller room is there value in having two RSL speed woofers and two bigger subs for 40 hertz signals for rumble? So two RSL speed woofers and two bigger subs. Anybody have experience with the RSLs? I know that they they are pretty small. Um, and then having two bigger subs. I mean, I'm all for having more subs, personally, if you can do it. And using a mini DSP to kind of balance everything out so that the smaller woofers can play to their max and then letting the other woofers, you know, kind of take over from there. I mean, that's a good idea. And using the subs to smooth out the bass. Uh, yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I was talking to Brad, home theater gamer, mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize that he has a four subwoofer setup. He's got two two big old subwoofers up front and then he's got two smaller near field yeah. uh behind so and he, and he said uh he demoed the the scene in uh blade runner 2049 where he shows up uh at that orphanage mm -hmm. uh, but before that like he gets shot down out of the sky and then you know rockets start coming down from like a, a satellite uh, but uh but he demoed it to a couple of friends with just the two front subwoofers and they're like oh man that sounded so great and then he's like well wait a minute let me turn on all four subs <laughs> exactly. and he played it again and like they were just blown away they're like i've i've never experienced anything like this ever yeah. so, near field is fun so. man I'll be honest. First time I heard that and experienced it, it was—it's a different experience, man. And mm -hmm. I've heard some guy. I, there was one guy. I think he had a twenty. It was either twenty-one or a twenty-four inch behind, like a near field. Another gentleman had three of his seats. Each one of those have an eighteen, um, and it's incredible. Like it's—it's it's a pretty. Um, amazingly tactile experience and when it's out now of course it can be too much like anything else it's yeah. all about calibration you can crank it up to the point to where it's totally distracting or you can mm -hmm. dial it in and eq it to where it's 
part of the system. And when you get it right, dude, it's an awesome, awesome experience. Yeah. Chris Windham, thank yeah. you for the super chat. He says, what about near field ported and boosted at higher frequency? Near field ported. Yeah. I mean, are you saying okay. you would want to boost it higher? I mean, ideally you're wanting a pretty flat frequency response. So I don't hmm. know. I don't know why you would want to boost your higher frequencies. Yeah. In, in any kind of frequency response. He says like 60 dB. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure exactly about the boosting the higher frequency, but I don't see any issue necessarily with uh, uh, using a ported sub for near field. Correct. You know, yeah. we always we always kind of recommend that you if you have ported subs, keep it all ported. Mm -hmm. And you know, of course, mm -hmm. the best is having all the same exact sub, right? Uh, yeah. It's kind of just tough to do a mix of sealed and ported. I do. I do, but I have to do all kinds of stuff to make sure that they work well with each other. And I don't know if most people are going to want to do what I, I have to do to make that work. You know, I have to use some crazy software to, to do it properly. Um, yeah. Uh, 60 hertz. What about near field port? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about the boosting part, I guess. Here's the other thing I noticed, though. When you do near field, uh, the assumption is that you know, you're going to get a flat response because you're so close and your 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 room's not going to interact. But my experience is not really that. When you're close, the seat itself actually becomes an absorber. And, you know, what you actually experience and feel might be two different things because you you might feel it, but what you hear might be two different things. So you have to measure, right? So whether you boost or cut is going to depend on what actually happens at your seat. Uh, anything else? I think we're pretty much good to go. Anything you guys want to plug? Anything? Uh, oh, I guess I should say to follow Elon's channel. Let's see here. Oh, that'd be oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, you should follow him because he's, he's really awesome at this uh, YouTube thing. I told him, you know, if we started at the same time, he would surpass me by a, a lot for sure. It's because he's <laughs> such a natural at this whole thing. Uh, look at it. He's got you got the he's got Thumbnails the little, great, he got the face. Yeah, he got the he got the whole thing going on. I still suck at thumbnails. Look at that. Makes you want to click all of them. Click, click. So yeah, <laughs> check out his uh, channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash Elon Osborne. We'll leave a link in the description. But I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Reverend Slim says I follow Elon just for how he says woofer. Woofer? Do you say woofer? <laughs> subwoofer? So or do you say subwoofer? Do I? I don't know. I'm I asking. I think I say sub subwoofer. See, so you say subwoofer? Woof. Or I guess I say woof. Yeah. Yeah. See, I've, I've never woof? said that. I love it when people say that, but I've never said that. I say subwoofer. Woof oh. yeah, versus what do you say? Woof. Yeah. We'll have, I'll make a video about that. <laughs> so whooper. It just sounds funny. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, Elon, it's always good to have you on. Hopefully next time we'll, you know, you might be set up with your, your crazy mic setup when you're not rushing. And yeah. I, I mean, I asked you to, to be on this morning because I knew Chana wasn't going to be around. I actually called Chana and I'm like, hey, man, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm driving to driving over here. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> So I wasn't sure if I was going to be on here by myself, uh, but I'm glad that uh, the videos coming out this week are not me with a fake goatee when I was pretending to be 
Chana, Chana for Halloween because I had to see that oh, for a right. whole week. I'm like, oh, I can't watch this. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I will be uh, in the after show. So, oh, yeah. A- yeah, after show, patreon.com forward slash daily hi fi if you want to join. And we're just there talking about all kinds of stuff. You can ask us your questions, and we definitely appreciate the support. Uh, look out for our daily videos, which our editor Tim takes care of. So, thanks to Tim as usual. And thanks to you guys for being here, the audience, Michael, Elon, thank you. Thank you. All right. What time is it now? It's time to roll. That's what time is. Uh, 8.30. All righty. All right, guys. I'll see you guys. Anything else you want to say? I'm going to hit the end. Have a great week, guys. See you. Take care. See ya.